the Extraordinary Moms podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way. We should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to bring you a truly inspiring, impactful episode today with my new friend, Whitley Hamblin. Whitley first came on my radar uh, several months ago, and I've been following her journey as she has been battling stage four colon cancer. She has three little girls, a fantastic husband, and by all accounts, a bright future. But cancer has changed that story dramatically. And as much as she has been fighting and doing everything possible to gain that healing that she so desperately desires, her body is not cooperating that way. And she's had to shift her perspective and it's really changed the way she lives every single day. It is an incredible perspective that she has gained and one that we do not have to wait to go through something traumatic or devastating in order to gain. Let us learn from Whitley the power of living in the present, appreciating what you have, and being so, so grateful for every day and every breath. You will see why I love Whitley so, so much, and I am excited to introduce you to a warrior woman that I now call a friend, Whitley Hamblin. All right, I'm so excited to be chatting with Whitley Hamblin today. Hi, Whitley. Jessica, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm awesome today. Thank you. Well, I am so honored to be chatting with you. Can I tell you how I first found out about you? And then ironically, you ended up reaching out to me too. So this is a full circle moment. So like probably a month and a half ago, maybe I was talking to my best friend, catching up on the phone, Allison Faulkner, and she's like, oh my gosh, I just talked to the most incredible woman. I'm like, what? Tell me. And she was talking about you and she talked about how she gave you a call because she had heard that you were going through a challenging time and she just wanted to encourage you and let you know what an inspiration she has been, you have been to her. And she's just like, Jessica, I can't stop thinking about this gal. Like she is so incredible and she's going through such hard things and her attitude and her perspective it's just unbelievable, and it really impacted her greatly. And so then I'm like, okay, let me look her up. Tell me how to find her. And so I kind of watched along from a distance on Instagram a little while, um, and then you ended up reaching out to me saying, you listen to the podcast. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I, I was going to reach out to you to have you on, and here you are. Oh, that makes me feel so good. I love Allison. I'm an avid listener to her podcast and to yours. And so hearing that come from both of you, it's like I'm just beaming. And maybe there's some tears oh, a little bit. That is, you guys are awesome. It's so just thank so, you. it's just a small world. It's just so cool. And one of the neatest things about this podcast is being able to connect with people that I wouldn't normally connect with and looking at my life through a lens of who is really living an extraordinary life? Who really is living life to its fullest? Who am I inspired by? And looking through that lens instead of, 
I mean, you're going to see whatever you look for in life. And I bet you've seen that a lot, especially in the last little bit. And the more I look for the good in the world, it's just bubbling over. And you are among all the joy that's in my life right now. So I'm really excited to chat, Whitley. Oh, that means so much to me. I really, really appreciate it. Um, Especially because this last week has been really hard. So Mm. that just made my day in so many ways. So thank you very much. I'm so glad. Well, for people that don't know you yet, will you give a little background on yourself and your family? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, so again, my name's Whitley Hamblin and I married to Stuart and, um, we have three little girls. Our oldest maybe is five and our twins, Bridget and Scout are four. And, um, I am an interior designer and, um, for a while, um, owned my own business, loved doing that and being a mom and living the busy, crazy, chaotic life of trying to juggle a business and motherhood at the same time. And then about, um, a year and a half ago, our world just kind of stopped. And, um, when my husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor and so he, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor and, um, luckily it wasn't cancerous, but he had to endure brain surgery and also six weeks of radiation every day. And so that was really hard. I mean, at that point in our life, I thought, you know, you start looking at the past and seeing the way, like, your life's been orchestrated. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, is my husband going to die? And is that why I was supposed to start my own business? And at least I have, like, an income that I can support my family. Like, my mind went down all of those roads. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up being really fine, which was so great. But as he was kind of going through all of the side effects of radiation and healing, I started to feel sick. And then fast forward, I don't know, about six months later, he went into his oncology appointment just as a checkup. He had an MRI and everything came back clear for him. His doctor was like, the tumor has shrunk to the smallest possible um, thing at this point and there's no other side effects. You're clear. And on that same day, I had made an appointment with my doctor for a second opinion because I had all of this pain in my abdomen that was not going away and I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And on that same day, I was diagnosed with cancer. So it's just been a crazy, crazy year. And now, um, so that was in January. So we're nine months into it and I've just been on the ride of a lifetime of, of, um, living with a, with a terminal illness and also, um, just really evaluating what is important to me in my life and being super intentional every day of how I want to spend my time. Mm -hmm. Um, well, that was a really long intro. (laughs) Sorry. Wow. No, no, that um, is fantastic. That is fantastic. I mean, this gives a whole new 
perception to when it rains, it pours. Like, that is insane, Whitley. Like, that is, what the heck? And I bet that's what you're, like, seriously? Seriously? Something else? Like, seriously? But I am curious. So, as the caretaker, and I've talked to people both that have an illness themselves, and then also they're caretaking for somebody with an illness. And in a lot of ways, there's overlapping similarities in the emotions you feel. And then in other ways, there's differences. What did taking care of him and in his time of healing before you got diagnosed and kind of grappling with, oh my gosh, is he, does he, how is he going to heal? Is he going to heal? Is he going to have cancer? Like you said, before you knew all that, I don't know. Was there any shift of perception at that time that helped you prepare then for the news you would eventually get for yourself? Yes. I would say that um, if anything, I mean, when you're caring for a spouse, especially, and when you have young kids, I mean, it. This isn't to put lightly like single parenting. I don't mean to 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 say that like it was exactly the same, but in a lot of ways, I kind of felt like a single parent because. Mm-hmm. My husband couldn't lift anything. So, I mean, even just the little things of, like, you know, going to visit family or going to church and, like, making sure I was the one that got all of the kids unbuckled and out of their car seats and everything. And then also making sure that, like, he had all of his meds, that he was in a good place. Like, did he feel well enough to go on different outings and, like, big it's a big weight mm. to be the caretaker it is very hard being a caretaker and on the same side you're also just hoping and praying that whoever it is you're you're serving is going to get better right mm. so there's that worry of like what if this is the beginning of the end so mm. you have that looming and then what does that mean as far as, like, what the rest of my life's going to look like? And then there's just the, the everyday pain points of, like, making sure my kids didn't jump on them when he was resting on the sofa. You know, mm-hmm. like, little yeah. things like that. That's like, I feel like I'm your protector, your bubble. And anyway, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you would think about the future, like, when you would think about, well, is this why I started my business? Am I going to be financially responsible for my family? And you let yourself go there. Like, honestly, how did you feel at that time looking forward, like not knowing? It was terrifying. And then also, you know, I don't know about you, but my mind totally goes to worst case scenario scenario anytime. Yeah. (laughs) And then I started thinking in that, in, in the previous like year and a half, um, within my church I was kind of responsible or was um, just like well I was a ministering sister to three different widows so then my mind's also being like Heavenly Father this was just supposed to teach me empathy you weren't supposed to be preparing me for being a widow that's not cool I don't want that (laughs) you know so there was me like kind of like crap well does that was that a preparatory experience for this you know and then I will also add that earlier that same year um 
I believe you're familiar with the work of Jody Moore. Yes, Better Than Happy very Cry. much. Love it. Yes. Yeah. Love her. Love her. Eat, breathe, drink, Jody, and all of the <laughs> all the things she teaches. She's amazing. She's amazing. Yes. And I had earlier that year joined her Be Bold program. Oh. And so it was so perfect because at the beginning of that year, I had kind of made 2018 the year of me and my own personal development and investing in myself so for the first like five months of that year I was like gaining confidence as a mom and as an entrepreneur and changing the way I look at my circumstances and and if I wanted to look for the good I would look for the good and if there was something that you would naturally think as a negative experience I would reevaluate and say, well, I can control the way I think about this, and this isn't necessarily the worst thing that could happen, you know. So I feel like all of that time in her program, too, prepared me for that trial of him getting cancer, or he didn't get cancer, of him getting his brain tumor. Yeah, I can totally see that. And that must have been really empowering, because sometimes when you go through a challenge and you're just wondering, like, God, where are you? Like, I don't know if I'm equipped for this or can handle this or why this, you know? My kids are little. Like, it doesn't make much sense in our rational mind. So to see those little breadcrumbs of strengthening and of perspective and of positive thinking and and even just control over your thinking, even when it's not totally positive, you know? Like, that's that's huge. That's huge. And beyond your husband's thing, I mean, I can't even believe that. And then you're starting to feel sick. I mean, did you ever think it would be as huge as it was? No, no idea. How old are you? I, I'm 30. Okay, 30. 30 years old. 30 years old are not supposed to get cancer. I mean, we see it happening more and more, but that just doesn't seem right. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, um... So initially when I was feeling sick, um, it was a lot, my symptoms were very similar to that if you've ever had an ovarian cyst or an ovarian cyst rupture. Mm. And so for six months, I was seeing my OB every six weeks, like monitoring the cysts that I had. So I just thought all of my pain was due to that. And then something changed. I don't know what it was, but in about November of last year, it was like pain had shifted from my lower abdomen to right underneath my ribs. Mm. And it was like my my skin was tender to touch. Um, the pain got worse as I laid down flat. Mm. And so for four months, I slept on my sofa and just rearranged my pillows in a way where I was at an incline and I couldn't have my arms touch my side because my side and my back and my stomach hurt and I felt bloated and full all the time and I was also constipated, like all of these different crazy symptoms and I was also losing weight like crazy which is a really telltale sign of cancer, but mm. I had no idea because I was 29 and who looks for cancer in a 29-year-old. Right. Um, and also at that time, I had been very diligent in what I was eating and I was eating more whole foods and intermittent fasting. So I'm like, 
yay, everything's paying off, you know, except for the fact that my, that my abdomen was in crazy pain. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine that you've just found coping mechanisms while progressively you're getting, your body is getting sicker and, oh, that's just heartbreaking. So can we just go back to that day when you found out at 30 years old you have cancer or at 29 at that time? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, you're right. I had actually just turned 30. I was 30 for like 15 days. And then, yeah, I went into, um, instead of going to my OB, I just thought, you know what? I think I need a second opinion and I want someone who isn't just going to go to my female anatomy mm-hmm. for this. Mm-hmm. And so I saw my general practitioner who's, um, just the sweetest old man. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, at this point, I'd been in really intense pain for over a few months, and I was taking muscle relaxers just to sleep at night, and I just, I couldn't hold my kids or even really give them hugs because it physically hurt me. So at the time of the of the um, doctor's appointment, I'm sitting on the table just bawling, saying, this is affecting my life and I need to know what's going on because I can't hold my kids and I hurt all the time. And I'm, I'm also afraid that I'm taking too much ibuprofen and ruining my stomach. And so he looked very concerned and he um, had me lay down on my back and within a five minute abdominal check, he had me sit up and he said, I don't want to scare you, but just so you know, I felt a very hard mass, and it has me very concerned because um, if it's a hard mass that can't be moved around like a cyst can, that's usually, it's usually tumor um, material, and so um, he was actually of the same faith as me, and he was very kind, and at the end of the um, appointment, he said, um, if you can, I would highly suggest getting a priesthood blessing as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. So I left the office just in tears. One, I was just so grateful that I got the second opinion that he was so kind. His bedside manner was amazing and also scared out of my mind yeah. because what did this mean? And luckily the next day I had different CT scans and blood work. And then I got a call from him the following day saying, can you please come in to my office? I want to go over the results of everything. And if you could bring your spouse, that would be great. I think your husband needs to be here for this. So all of a sudden, you know, again, my mind goes to worst case scenario. But all day before the appointment, I'm trying to decide, like, okay, it could just be a benign tumor that involves, like, a really crazy surgery, and so he wants my husband there for support, or it's stage 4 cancer. Like, that was the rationale in my head. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I was prepared and prompted by the Holy Ghost because all day long I just kept thinking stage 4 cancer, stage 4 cancer. And so when Stuart and I went to that appointment, he said, it is state he said it is cancer most likely it's stage four um because it has already metastasized 
and spread to your lymph nodes and it's in your lungs and it's in your colon Mm -hmm. and we'll need to meet with an oncologist to see the type of cancer that it is. I can't tell you that at this point. And then he leaves the room for a minute to talk to a specialist and Stuart and I were left in the room just sobbing like we can't believe we're here all over again. And it was, it was, it was heartbreaking. And on top of that, it was the day before my daughter's fifth birthday. And, and so the whole time we're like trying to process this and I'm thinking Navy's birthday's tomorrow and is this going to be the last birthday that I see of hers? And I mean, it was torture. It was torture. So I, my heart goes out to anybody who who gets one of those diagnoses because it is heart-wrenching. And in the beginning, you're just scared. You just don't know what to expect. Yeah. Well, and there's just so much to learn too, right? Like, so like you hear cancer and a lot of us have like a very lay person's experience with understanding it, right? So when it comes to the course uh-huh. of treatments you're about to go through and the medical jargon, for the, I mean, it's just like a crash course in the most right. treacherous way, right? And so not only are you physically sick and hurting, but then you're also having to manage and advocate for your own health. That's a lot. Right. Wow. Right. Wow. It was, it was, it was intense. It was just very, very hard. And, and I, we first went to my parents' house and, you know, having to look your parents in the eye and say, I think you're going to outlive me. Mm is something one no parent wants to hear you know no one no one wants to be outlived by or no one wants to outlive their children right and then and then also to just be like this is this is what's happening and so we we visited both my parents and my in-laws in person to let them know what was going on and I had just asked them all to kind of keep the seriousness of my diagnosis quiet until we could get through my oldest daughter's birthday the next day because Mm -hmm. I didn't want her fifth birthday to be all about me having cancer and so everyone was very respectful of that and we took our kids to Build-A-Bear and we had this beautiful just family day and then and so that was on a Saturday and then the next day was a Sunday and then that's when I opened up publicly on my all of my social media accounts and just very clearly explained everything that was going on. And I will tell you the coolest thing that happened, Jessica, is so that Friday that I got my diagnosis of stage four cancer was like the worst day of my life. And it felt dark and it felt dreary and honestly hopeless. Mm. And then as soon as I voiced what was going on in my life and was vulnerable and shared the hard with the world, people started praying for my family. And Sunday was a huge turning point. Light entered our home and our family and hope entered our hearts. And like, whatever this means, we've got it. We have great faith that this is what God's plan looks like for our family right now as much as 
we don't understand it and it honestly just looks like a train wreck but (laughs) we just felt so much peace from that day forward that like I just have a firm belief that um that prayer is a tangible thing and when you have a whole army of people who are willing to pray for you even strangers I mean you can you can feel a difference and it's incredible it really is a sustaining power Thank you for sharing that very vulnerable time and day with us. And you articulated it so, so beautifully. It's ironic. I was just watching a Daniel Tiger with my son this morning about holding two, uh-huh. two feelings, right? And, and, and we don't fully yeah. understand that. And it's hard to wrap our mind around how you can be so devastated and so sad on one hand. And yet here you are celebrating your daughter's life. And you're surrounded by family and you're buoyed by prayer and all of those things on the other. And those two feelings really can exist. Had you ever kind of felt that dichotomy in your life prior to that? Because I would imagine having it be that evident in your life. Like it's it's a real privilege to get a glimpse of what that really looks like to hold two opposite emotions really well together. Right, that, and I think that's the beauty of the polarity of it all, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, with without the contrast, I mean, you can't fully appreciate one or the other, right? And yeah. so I just have this firm belief, too, that, like, if you want to feel, like, the highest, most intense joy of your life, the responsibility is also being able to feel, like, the lowest, darkest, lows too Mm. so if you're at a point in your life where you're feeling those really dark lows just know that at some point the shoe's gonna fall the other shoe's gonna fall and you'll be able to feel just that same magnitude but in joy instead if Mm. that makes sense yeah absolutely and I, I would venture to say, I mean, I haven't met you in person, but before all this, I would venture to say you sound like a very outgoing, friendly, loving, probably apt to serve type person. And I've talked to a lot of really capable people who then the other shoe has dropped and they've needed to then be the recipient of service. Was that hard for you yeah. at all? Because you, in the same way you, you can hold two emotions, there has to be a server and a servee. Right, and you can't always just pick one role. If if people are unwilling to accept service, there's never an opportunity to to extend it, right? And so, how was accepting right. help for you in, in that time? That is a great question, and yes, um, you hit the nail on the head. I was that person that was that was the servee for a really long time, and luckily, um, I just received really great advice from one of my previous employers, and honestly, she's just like a mentor of life. Her name's Caroline DeCesare, and um, she came and visited me, and she um, she just said, Whitley, this is all a lot, and you need to choose right now what are going to be the three things. She said, you can choose three things that you are in charge of. Um, and then she said, delegate the hell out of the house. <laughs> She's like, just do it. She's like, I know you. I know your personality. Uh-huh. You're you're a doer and a perfectionist and an overachiever. And she's like, it's going to be hard for you to shut all that down. 
And so, honestly, that day I did. So what that looked like for me at that point is um, I had my best friend had offered to start a GoFundMe. Um, and at first, my husband and I were like, we think we're fine. We have great insurance. And then we were like, you know what? If people want to help and if this is the way they want to help, great. So we had my best friend start the GoFundMe. And then... I put another friend in charge of a meal train, and mm-hmm. so she managed all of it. We just told her which days of the week we wanted it. I told her my dietary restrictions, and then even got a specific. This sounds like being totally witchy, but <laughs> I was even like, listen, it has to be in to-go containers, and just know when you drop off, it's not a time to chat. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I at the time felt terrible and I couldn't rehash everything with everyone every night that they brought me dinner Mm -hmm. as much as I wanted to. That's what I saved for my social media. So I could update everyone at the same time. Mm -hmm. So we did that. And then, um, and then Caroline, who was giving me this information or giving me that, that advice, she also was very generous and kind and she hired, um, house cleaners for us to come every other week and then we had um people in our community doing our yard work and then i had a whole list of friends willing to help me with my laundry and so really i took that delegation to heart and it one saved me energy and worry and two it was the most beautiful experience to see other people shine Mm. in their service to my family and everyone did things just a little bit differently and it was amazing I just thought as unique as each of us all are that's how unique our service can be to each other because we're all different we see things that other people might not and do things that other people might not like for example there is this one woman um, in my that goes to my parents' church, and every Sunday, I think since we've met the diagnosis, she has put together little goodie bags for all three of my girls, and she just drops it off at my mom's house. And they're really simple. It's like stuff from the dollar section at Target, and like juice boxes and fishy crackers, and just little fun things. So when my kids were at my mom's house, during my doctor's appointments, my mom had something fun to pull out for them. What a great idea. Yeah, but she's been doing it consistently for months. I never would have thought of that. Yeah. You could tell her to stop. We're okay. But she's like, Whitley, she loves doing it. And your girls love it. And so I was like, okay, let's just receive. Let's just let her give. And we'll just receive. See, yeah. that's what I think is so beautiful about service, especially when you're serv- serving from a place of your own strengths. Like you said, like I have time as a resource, not necessarily money as a resource. So like while the GoFundMe is perfect for people that feel like that's how I can help. Maybe helping with your children is, is another way that is so easy and, and accessible for another person to help you out. Maybe meals, doubling your dinner at night and bringing over a pan and to-go containers is no big deal to one person, but it feels like a drain to another. If you're serving out of a place where it's 
like something you feel like you should do like every time the meal train goes around you feel like you have to but it's always stressful and not fun you build up resentment or whatever like don't do that thing but what but what can you do because the person receiving is your gifts are so much more magnified when you're serving out of those versus you know being somebody that you think you should be or showing up in a way you think you should show up like there's plenty of ways to help out which ways can you magnify your talents and that is how it'll be most life-giving to the recipient for sure I love all these great ideas that you've provided I think it's amazing and the person that helps out your mom too with just simple snacks like genius genius right I mean and they're they're super simple but my my little girls like every time they go to my mom's house they're like has sister cocoon come by <laughs> and like they just anticipate it and so it's just been super cute and then I've had another friend she like every other day will just send me a hilarious meme <laughs> that just makes me laugh and yeah. I'm like that is service because you are bringing joy into my day yeah. and and she doesn't expect a response and it's yeah. just something super simple and then I have a couple other friends that every time they go to the grocery store, they'll just shoot a quick text and say, hey, I'm making a Costco run. Do you need anything? Wow. And it gives me a chance to like mentally, you know, we need toilet paper. I forgot we needed toilet paper. Could you pick up toilet paper? Yeah. And I can Venmo them or they'll just be like, don't pay me. Don't be stupid. So, <laughs> you know, it just, it, <laughs> little things like that have been life giving to my family. Oh, that is just so great. And I think so many people feel like they don't know what to say, right? And so then that's when you feel people start to shrink away. But it just sounds like you've just been so enveloped with people that have really stepped up even when they haven't been asked to or told explicitly how to. And they've just done the thing. And if you don't know what to say, do something else then. Like you don't have to have all the right words, but but what is something that is a standard thing that somebody could say? Because you probably don't want to rehash this all the time. That's exhausting. And so social media, what a great way to just give a blanket update to everybody. People can comment and you can comment back if you want, but you don't have to. But is there something that you can say to somebody who's received diagnosis or even just going through a challenging time to let you know, hey, I'm thinking of you and I'm here? Yeah, and those things right there, and even just like, hey, girl, I see you, mm. is like enough. Or yeah. or saying, I'm just thinking about you, and you don't have to tell me what else going on, but I just want you to know that I love you, and I'm praying for you. Like, all of those things every time bring me comfort. And then I just often tell people, like, because you're right, I don't always want... I don't always want to rehash everything. And also, I don't want to have the same conversation Mm. 40 times in a week. And all the information I've talked about is about myself. And so if you ever, like, are helping a friend who's going through something and you notice they keep redirecting you to things about yourself, it's probably on purpose. Yeah. (laughs) I found that I've become a really good listener and question asker because I'm like, okay, tell me something you're excited about. What's your family doing? How's your son? Like, and that's honestly, um, because I'm one genuinely curious about the person I'm talking to. And then I don't have to talk about me, Yeah. but if I want to talk about me, I will, you know, and 
not everyone feels super comfortable um, being that open. I've always worn my heart on my sleeve, so it's like not a big deal for me to tell you, listen, I'm grouchy today, back off, or like, let's chat. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good about being able to communicate that, so right. anyway. Yeah, and if you were to choose an identity or take on a new role in your life, cancer patient is probably not the one you would choose, right? So even though it is what it is and people are going to be curious and are going to want updates because they love you and are invested in you and your health, you're also still Whitley. You are also still a mom who's going to struggle with her twins. Holy cow, twin four-year-olds. I mean, there's other, you're, you're an interior designer, I do have a question about couches right. when we're all done with this, just so you know. So remind me if I forget. Yeah. But, like, yeah, there's just so it. much. Absolutely. And I think we think if we don't bring it up that people will forget. Or if we we shouldn't bring it up because people will remember. You'll, they'll remember they have cancer. You you're, you know. <laughs> or if somebody suffers right. a loss, bringing up that child that they lost is going to resurface everything. Yeah, there's a time and a place for that. But even just acknowledging them on their birthday or special days or just saying, hey, I was thinking about a funny memory with your child the other day and it just brought a smile to my face. The person is never going to forget what they've been through or what they're going through. And so you bringing it up is not necessarily going to hurt anymore. But just being sensitive to reading the room, are they redirecting? I think that's a great point. And being mindful of letting them lead the conversation. I think think that's – Super huge. So I am really curious. How are, are your kids doing? You know, they overall, I mean, the beauty of having young kids is they are so innocent. And, um, but they also know more than you think they do. I'm sure you've experienced this with your boys. I mean, they pick up on social cues. They pick up on emotions. They pick up on... Um, conversations you're having with your friends and everything and so from day one and this was advice given to me from um, my therapist at the cancer center that I go to um, she said the kids that are included in their parents cancer journey fare far better than the kids who parents try and shelter them from the experience and so I've taken that to heart. And so I'm very open with my kids when I say, like, hey, I'm having a hard day. But it, by giving them a task to do or a way that they can serve me, they feel needed and loved. So, for an, for example, there was a time where I was in a ton of pain, and I mostly just lived in my recliner but my feet would get very cold as a side effect from my chemo, and I had um, neuropathy in my fingers and toes. And so I would often ask my girls, go pick out a pair. Can you please go pick out your favorite pair of my fuzzy socks, and can you come put them on my feet for me? Mm. And they loved doing that. Um, They loved doing that. I think overall, I mean, they understand that I'm sick, they don't get the gravity of it. My oldest does know that people can die from cancer, so she is more um, she is more in tune to that, and will sometimes say, "Mom, I don't want you to die," you know, which 
hearing that from your five-year-old is heartbreaking enough, right? And so there are times that I do worry about them, but they also, it's given me a chance to see their compassionate side too, because one of my twins loves to give amazing, big, hard squeeze hugs. She calls them squeeze hugs. And um, when I was hurting so much, as I would go to tuck her in at night, she would first ask me, Mom, are you hurting? And I would say, yes, sweetheart, I am. And so she would confirm. She would say, so a soft hug tonight? And I would say, yes, a soft hug tonight. And then I would go to tuck in her twin sister, and I would hear her ask my husband, Daddy, are you hurting? And he would say, no, sweetheart, I'm not hurting. And she said, can I give you a squeeze hug? And he said, you bet. And, you know, she just wants to give you, like, the biggest, hardest hug. But she's, I mean, from a four-year-old, she could see, like, that wasn't always appropriate. And being able to see that in your kids is just so fun. Um, And I will say, we've been gifted several really great books that help kids understand, um, what cancer is and it's from the perspective of like a little boy whose mom gets diagnosed with cancer and um so that opened up some good topics when I was first diagnosed and then we've purchased some other books along the way too that just talk about like love being an invisible string between mm-hmm. people and it's just a super cute book and and in the book, the kids ask, well, what if I'm in another room? Can you feel my invisible string? And the mom in the book says, yes. And, well, what about if we travel and we're around the world? And yes, yes, yes. So just kind of planting in their minds that seed of, like, love is eternal. And even if we're not here, that they can still feel love from a parent. And I'm hoping that that will kind of help set the stage for the time when I do pass away. And so that's been super helpful, too. Oh, wow. That is, that is a lot. That is a lot. But I think... Yeah, sorry. It's all super... No. No, you don't apologize to me. I'm No. Hello, Whitley. You do not apologize to me. I'm so grateful for these conversations because this is real life. And, I, and it just makes me think right. so much how much we want to incubate our kids from pain and suffering and even sacrifice, right? Like we don't even want them to like right. have a hard life or work hard sometimes. We want it just to be easier and better for them. But when you describe her level of intuition and, and empathy right. and sensitivity to another person's needs, that is not developmentally normal for that age. And yet she's going to grow up her whole life knowing that that is a part of something you can offer another person. What is she even going to do with her life with that skill set? I mean, she will be able to impact so many people for good in a way that, I mean, you wish she could learn that a different way, but we don't get to, we don't get to choose how we learn our lessons. And I think that is going to be one of her, could be one of her strongest strengths. And, oh, imagine, imagine, oh, that is just so tender. Thank you for sharing that. You've been through a lot in nine months. I mean, it's probably felt like a long and quick nine months all at the same time. You've been through surgeries and and pain and 
probably processed a lot of emotions and I'm sure you've envisioned a lot of different futures. And I just want to know, how are you doing today? Um, great question. Um, I would describe how I'm feeling now. Um, I'm kind of at peace with it all, which is a huge blessing. And, and I'm at peace with, um, because I recently got um, some scans back that were showing that my body stopped responding to my current chemo treatment. Mm-hmm. And um, so I have some decisions to make right now. Um, I am going to start radiation soon, so that's still an option. But right now I'm, I'm trying to make the decision if I even want to continue chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And that's a big one because it's, it's more of a quality of life thing. I mean, I've met people in my similar situation who've lived for years and years, but to me being tied, so what it would look like for me if I continued chemotherapy, I will have to have chemotherapy every other week for the rest of my life. And the way that looks for me is I start an infusion one day and then I get hooked up to a pump that I take home. So I'm being continuously infused with chemotherapy for three straight days. And it puts me down for a whole week. And it takes me longer to kind of bounce back from being so down. Um, And so I'm trying to decide if I even, if that's how I want to spend the rest of my life. Or if I want to stop the chemotherapy and kind of let the cancer run its course but be happy and have as much energy as I possibly can to do the fun things with my kids so that their last memories of me are ones of going to the park and baking and, you know, doing the mom things, right? Mm -hmm. And I would also say, this sounds a little morbid and a little weird, but I feel like I'm in a nesting phase, but instead of, like, preparing for a brand new baby, it's like, how can I best prepare my family for my passing away? And what's that, what that looks like for me right now is I've even thought, as I was doing laundry the other day, I thought I should print off, like, how often I wash the towels and the sheets and what heat setting I use for the different colors of clothes and laminate it and put it in my, in my laundry room so my husband kind of has an idea of how I did it. Not that I want to control his life, but just to be like helping parent after I'm gone, you know, because he hasn't really had to take care of the housekeeping side of things, you know, Mm. or writing in books to my children of like, here's the advice I would give you on your 16th birthday or when you go to college or how about your first year of marriage when it's hard or postpartum, like all of these things. Like if I could just infuse all of my nuggets of wisdom into my kids. But right now their, their age setting is like, if I can get my twins to wipe their bums after they go to the bathroom, <laughs> like we won that day, you know? So yeah. they're not going to take on like how to be emotionally responsible right now. when. Yeah. That's what I want to tell them about. Like, you can feel all your feelings, child. Know that your whole life. But yeah. anyway, so it's just, it's hard. And yeah. and I have my days and my moments, but I've gotten really good at just letting myself feel. And some days I feel sadder than others. And, and I just kind of ride the wave that way. 
do you feel like you're able to kind of observe your life and your existence in this season a little bit? I hope you do to some degree because what I am hearing, Whitley, is just superhuman. I hope you realize how empowered you are by a God that's providing for every single step, even when you get bad news last week and even when the pain is still there and even when the outcome is not going to be how you hoped it's going to be. And I hope that you can, you can sit in that and be like, wow, I am extraordinary. I hope you feel that. I hope you, you can sit in that and accept that. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I do have my moments where I feel like I am a rock star mom in life. It's too bad I'm going to die soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be, I would be a really good teen mom. You know, oh, not Whitley. having a baby as a teenager, but like uh, I would be a really fun mom to have as a teenager. Yeah. But yeah. They'll, they'll just get to use their imagination. Oh, my but gosh. anyway, yeah. no, it's just. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I mean it. And, and it is different. It it um it definitely puts things in perspective. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, since getting my diagnosis and being so open on social media, um, people have flocked to me. I mean, I cannot yeah. believe how many people have started following me and messaging me. And um, I think it's just we get so used to getting into the the everyday life that we take for granted so much that's special. Whereas now I feel like cancer has been God's way of slowing my life so far down where all I can do is look for the blessings because that's the only way I find joy each day mm-hmm. is by looking for the blessings in my life or else it would be too much. All of this would be too much that it would crush yeah. me. Well, I hope that by people hearing your story, and like you said, they're flocking to you not because they want to be voyeurs into a tragic story. This is a story of hope, and this is a story of heroism, and this is a story of a rock star mom who is working it out every single day, (laughs) and they are sensing your light. They are. They are. And I'm so, so grateful that you came onto my radar. I'm so grateful Allison mentioned you to me. I am so, I'm so grateful constantly for reminders from women like you to not wait until the diagnosis to appreciate what's right in front of me. I think about it every day. Every woman I talk to, no matter what their circumstance is, you don't have to wait. Literally the next interaction you have with somebody, pick it. Be intentional about it. Share with people how much you love them and spend your time doing things that actually matter and and add to your life and add to their life. And that is such a gift that we get to have as as humans. And you're doing it. You are are doing it. Thank you, Whitley, for sharing all that you have. I always ask my guests one final question, and you're familiar. The point of the podcast is to help people to acknowledge how extraordinary they are and to own it. And I want to know from you, Whitley, what is one thing that makes you extraordinary? Um, You're right. You do ask that at the end. (laughs) In preparation for this, I should have had an answer ready, but I totally forgot about that. Um, What's one thing that makes me extraordinary? Um, I think that something that makes me extraordinary is 
I identify as a creator, and that has been something that I've done my whole life, um, and it manifested itself in art projects as a child and as an interior designer as a profession, but what it's looked like more recently, especially through the trials of my life, is being a co-creator with um, an all-knowing, all-loving God and and co-creating the experiences that I do have in my life. And I take that very seriously. I mean, I believe that we each receive inspiration that we need and when we need it. And when we act on those things that we feel inspired to do, um, we are pro, we are pro, sorry, co-creating with an all-loving God and, and sharing goodness. And I think that's one of the things that makes me extraordinary. Never stop. Never stop that. <laughs> that is, that is a fantastic answer. And I Thank love you. that. I love that. Whitley, where can people follow you online? Um, they can follow me at a couple of different places. So on Instagram, um, my handle is at Whitley. So just like it sounds, but my name is spelled W-H-I-T-T-L-E-E. They can find me on Facebook at Whitley Hambling. And then I recently started a podcast called Inspired Home Podcast. So they can look on Instagram at Inspired Home Podcast. Yay. Um, they can listen to the podcast just I'm hosting it through my website right now I'm still working through all the technicalities of getting an Apple um, account but if they go to whitley.hamblin.cc that's my website and you can listen to my podcast there I have a blog there and if you're interested you can also see some of my portfolio from when I was working full time as a designer too. So those are some places if people are interested. Okay. Well, I'll help Uh, you with the podcast part. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. But if they're curious about following like my, my cancer journey, um, at Whitley on Instagram is probably the best place to do that. Amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time. All the best to you, to your family. You should be really proud of those girls, man. That, Amazing. Thank you for giving us a little sneak peek Thank into you. your life. No problem. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. See what I mean? Can you even believe Whitley and her strength and her perspective? She is such an inspiration. And I hope that we can all learn from her example that even when we're handed extremely trying circumstances in our lives, we get to choose what we do with them and how much we make of our lives each and every day that we are given. I linked to everywhere you can find Whitley online. And in addition, I linked to their GoFundMe. She didn't ask me to do that. But over on the show notes at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com, I've linked to their GoFundMe. Every little bit helps in relieving some of the financial burden that comes along with a cancer journey. And I know that that support means so much to their family, especially when you don't live near them and you feel limited in what you can offer to support wonderful women and families like them. And so this is just one way that you can show your support. So that's linked over there. Thanks so much to Whitley for coming on the show. We spoke at a very difficult time just one week after a really 
hard doctor's appointment where she got hard news and she was so brave to come on and share where she was at with us. I talked to her just yesterday and she said she is feeling a little bit better, which is great, great news. I just continue to pray that her discomfort will be minimal and that she'll be able to do all the things that matter most to her with her family. So thanks Whitley for coming on. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Jessica Dahlquist three or on Facebook at extraordinary moms podcast. So grateful to all of my guests all the time. You guys are so incredible showing up, sharing your stories. And I hope that you see that these are everyday women who are truly, truly extraordinary. And if you are listening, you have a story too. And I want you to believe in that, believe in yourself and share it with the world, whether it's sharing it with one person in your neighborhood or sharing it on a podcast or writing on a blog or whatever it may be, your story matters. Okay, thanks for tuning in today, everybody. We will see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Bomb. Bye.